your Locked On Senators, your daily podcast on the Ottawa Senators, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Welcome inside the Locked On Senators podcast. I'm Ross Levitan alongside Brandon Piller. There's only three more Saturdays until the National Hockey League draft. 24 days to be exact, so we'll continue our rankings from number 79 down to 76. Stay tuned for that later on in the show. But first, we recap Game 3 between the New York Islanders and Tampa Bay Lightning. Great game for Pager. You know he steps up in big situations, but he was a part of a little melee at the end of the game. We'll tell you what caused that and the fallout from it. We'll also get to our Send Central Citizen of the Week. It's Matt Bosty. Matt, Matt Bosty on Twitter. Great conversation with him about a variety of topics, a Dominic Hasek story. And we ask him the question we asked you on Twitter, at Sens Central. In an ideal situation, I forgot to say realistic, but add that in for me. Who do the Sens take at three and five? All that and more. This is the Locked On Senators podcast, your team every day. Today is Saturday, September 12th. Pillsy, we got a lot to get to, but first, we set send Twitter ablaze with a projection of the top line next season. Guys, we just got to believe, just believe, Kachuk, Byfield, Raymond could be a possibility. Now, I don't, I don't think that's the ideal line at all times, but that's probably the Senators' nuclear line. Like, if things are not going their way at the end of a game, throw those two together. I've already got them drafted as the Senators, so uh, I'm excited for picks three and five by Philip and Raymond. Let's go. We'll tell you who Matt Bosty had later on. Great conversation with him. Let's get into the game last night. However, the New York Islanders were almost on the ropes. Like, you're not coming back from down 3-0 to Tampa. Many think you can't come back from 2-0 against such a high-powered offensive team. And the line that always starts the game for the Islanders. Barry Trotz loves it. I think it's more just a franchise. Like I would love the stat of how many games Sezikis, Clutterbuck, and Martin start for the Islanders. But Sezikis was unfit to play. So who else but JGP to fill that role? A very natural selection for that. And he had himself a game with a goal and an assist. Yeah, J.G. Pajot getting it done. And uh, Ross, another guy, not to go off uh, Sends Abroad too quickly here, but Brock Nelson, man, did he show up with some timely goals. And I think he had an assist too. So a good game for Brock Nelson there. His assist was beautiful, where he took the puck on his backhand, circled the entire net, and then threw it out front without a single stick handle. It was unreal to watch. His goal was right? And then Bavillier returned the favor on that goal where uh, he puts them ahead 4-3. I was just shocked at what Tampa was doing. First off, a terrible turnover in their own zone. And then three different Tampa Bay players are all crowding in on Bavillier. And Bavillier is making it very clear. He's trying to get that puck over to Nelson. He doesn't succeed the first time. And then they still crowd Bavillier and leave Nelson open. And then as soon as Bavillier gets the puck, he's slides it over to Brock Nelson, and boom, top shelf. Top, or Game-winning goal by Nelson there, and the Islanders, they keep their hopes alive with that one. Big time. Yeah, I'm actually glad you rewound a bit because you broke down how they got the lead, and the Pajot goal was the empty netter, but it's noteworthy 
because man, Kucherov, this guy just—he's a rat out there. He really is. He's the most skilled rat in the league. Sorry, Brad Marchand, but you can really get under his skin. And I don't know. Maybe it was just losing the puck, and and he was the first man on the back check. But that was a absolute Thursday night beer league move. Like he doesn't. Not only does he try to like push him off, which is fine. It's a bit of a hold, but you, you do that on an empty net. But then he comes and two hands pager as he's putting the puck in the net. So Pajot obviously unhappy with that starts a pretty big um not bench clearing but a line brawl at the back of the net what was your take on his reaction and the slash well here's the thing ross i think we talked about it you can get kutrov upset pretty easily and when he gets frustrated he doesn't hold it in you can see it from his body language and his play Very on the Vulcan ice ask. yeah definitely definitely and Pajot was clearly ahead of him, and when he got a breakaway on an empty net, it's looking pretty good. So Kucherov gives him the hook of a lifetime. You could have caught a 600-pound tuna with that hook. And then as soon as he sees the ref arm go up in the air, he's like, I'm already getting the penalty. They're already going to win the game. Might as well two-hand him a little while I'm at it. So he goes from being a fisherman hooking tuna to a lumberjack chopping down redwoods. Poor Pajot had to deal with that when all he's doing is getting the job done and keeping his team alive. So good on Pajot for being like, that's not going to fly here. And the Islanders, you know, they're not going to have that, especially after they're getting a nice icing on the cake there. They're coming home. They're leaving that ice victorious. And yeah, like you said, if they go down 3-0, they're done. So that was a huge win for the Islanders. Enormous win. And Brock Nelson, definitely the game MVP. But if it wasn't Brock Nelson, it would have to be Varlamov in goal. He made some 10 bell saves early in the first period when it was 0-0 and he stood on his head. He made 14, 13 out of 14 saves in the first and that was really a sign of things to come. He had 34 saves in the game and he was a major reason why the Islanders won that game as well. So that series still intriguing. Now 2-1 Tampa leads it. Dallas leading the Western final by the same series score. So hopefully we get to see some extended series after many of them uh, were, well, the Tampa Bay one was cut short. I would have liked to see them in Boston go a little bit longer, but we did get three game seven. So how much can we be greedy in terms of free hockey? All I can tell you is that any of these matchups will make for a great Stanley Cup final, except for one. If it's the Islanders against the Stars, Oh my God, set your alarms, especially because those games will start an hour later, probably so that the West Coast, it's not too early for them to get off work, that sort of thing. That's going to be a need a coffee uh, type game. But as a goalie friendly show, we're not hating on that. And as a goalie friendly show, it's always fun when our Send Central citizen is also a former goalie. So without further ado, let's get to our conversation with this week's Send Central citizen of the week. It's Matt Bosty. All right, we now welcome on our Send Central Citizen of the Week. He's a legend on Twitter. He's probably got a rotisserie chicken on the Barbie right now. It's Matt Bosty at Matt Bosty on Twitter. How you doing today, man? Hey, B-O-S-T-Y got a P-A-R-T-Y. Not bad, not bad. How are y'all? Oh, I'm not the spelling guy, so I'll let Pilsy jump on that one. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I went with hard words. Yeah, that was a tough one. Uh, we're not <laughs> math guys either, so hopefully you don't have too many stats for us here today, Matt. Uh, but- uh-uh. Usually we start these Send Central Citizens off with one simple question, and it's 
how did you become a Sens fan? What, what is kind of the first Sens memories you have? And most people have some sort of wacky story or, uh, or flashback from the good old days for why they're still hanging on to this team. What's yours? I don't know if I have too flashy a story, like if you go with James and coming up through uh, NHL 03 or whichever game, I forget which one. Uh, that was a lot, lot more exciting for me. It was just, hey, I'm from Ottawa. I never wanted to be the same fan as all the people around me. And for some reason, outside of my family, we're all diehard Sens fans. But like the kids I grew up with, they were Buffalo fans or, yeah, I know that's the weird one, or Toronto fans, of course. But playing on the rink in uh, Mackey Park, Lakeview, represent. Uh, thank you, Crystal Beach. I don't even know where I'm from. Uh, so I, I was all about the Sens in like 96, 97, when we were just sort of getting good. But what really grabbed me was the first playoff uh, appearance, getting that goal against Dominic Hasek, because that was, that was our first monkey on our back, was just how do we beat the Dominator, and being able to do it, and then of course losing in seven, but still there was actual excitement there, and that's what really pulled me into, hey, I'm not, a, I'm not just going to be kind of a casual fan, I will be 100% sense all the time, and be obnoxious as I can be with all the other kids at school. <laughs> And that's, uh, that's how I got into it. And then nice. we were good for like five years, and that made it really easy. Oh, yeah. And then Dominator comes and joins, uh, joins us, and that's when Pilsen oh, yeah. hopped on. He was probably cheering for Buffalo in that series in 97, this <laughs> clown over here, just trying to be the Dominator coming out of house league hockey. Good luck. Uh, only difference was the puck stayed out of the net when the Dominator was flailing around all over the place. <laughs> I got a Dominator story. I don't know. Oh, if, hit uh, us with it. Oh, up. I love it. <laughs> <laughs> so when when Dominic Hasek was on the Sens, a friend of mine out in Canada who wasn't a hockey fan was saying, hey, I have this weird neighbor who I think is a hockey player. <laughs> and I, I went, I'm like, oh, who is it? And they're like, oh, well, it's the, it's the goalie that we just got. And I'm like, is it Hasek? And they're like, yeah, yeah, I think it is. And this is out in Canada Lakes. So being like a 16-year-old fanboy, I was like, all right, let's go. So we drive to the house. And no lie, Dominic Hasek, top window like a full like curtains undone is standing there holding the ottawa citizen paper out in front of him while reading completely like no pants waist down like he's wearing underwear but they're like tight tight briefs it's just in the front window just 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 there i was like yep that's dominic Hasek. Going back to that first team, '97, when they made the cup, or when they made the playoffs for the first time. Who's your your favorite player on the team? I know Alfie's probably the easy answer here. He's still up and coming, but was there a guy that really stood out as as your guy? I've always been a goalie. I played goal growing up, so it doesn't really matter who is in goal. But goalie it's friend, show. Show. yeah, ex- <laughs> exactly. So I've always had a soft spot. So Tugnut, because Rhodes would always li- uh, let the first po- uh, the first shot in. That was that was why I chose Tugnut over Rhodes as my like nine year old self I was like no 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 Rhodes can't save the first shot so I don't like him. Uh, but going back, you look at his stats. Rhodes actually was pretty unreal for Ottawa during a lot of those years where we were hot garbage, and uh, he doesn't get the respect uh, from old Ottawa fans as I think he deserves. One of the best uh, buckets in Sens history too. Hell yeah, that thing was that thing was great. The nineties, the mid to late nineties for goalie style. I think was peak because everyone had those ridiculous oversized pads. So you could put way more art, way more nonsense on it. And you wanted to actually like carve out a little niche for yourself. Whereas like now it's still really good. That's almost too good. Like you look at these, you look at these helms, you look at these things and it's just like the amount of art 
and quality that goes in. I'm like, no, no, no. I want just like something stupid slapped on the side. I want, I want your pads to be this hodgepodge of colors like it used to be. Like, who was it? Was it Herbe? I can't remember who it was, but I just remember it looked like someone had just like accidentally morphed two pads together when they were putting it through. Yeah, um, I heard that he actually used to run over his pads with a Hummer so that they would break in. I swear, that's a true story. Well, they were the biggest pads. Like, those things look like they weighed, like, 40 pounds. So I can uh, imagine if they wanted some, a little bit of give on it. Jeez. 100%. Well, since we're on the goalie topic, I mean, yeah. it's been a bit of a hot topic in Sens land. So what do you think this, they should do going into next season? I know Nielsen's health is a little bit questionable, although I heard he was back training in Sweden the last time Dorian talked, which was, what, like four months ago? Haven't heard from him in forever. But then <laughs> you got paid. Hogberg on the one-way deal. Um, would you go out and try to get someone in this huge goalie market this offseason or just be patient? I, I'm torn because I, I think that a, a young team like the Sanders, the last thing they need is goalies losing confidence because that's just going to bleed through the entire team. And yeah, it doesn't matter for good for the next two years, but I want our forwards, our young, our young players to actually kind of grow. So having a stable presence in the net is good, but like we can't give up anything. Like I, I, I Brandon was talking about Matt Murray, I think, on his cast last week. Uh, and there's been a lot of, a lot of talk about that. And I, I understand it. You, you put him in. A, why does he want to come from cup contending to Ottawa for the next two years? So I, I wouldn't be surprised if that didn't pan out. But if we're giving up anything past, like, a third-round pick, like, even, like, Balsers or Abramov, who I heard thrown around, I'd say no. I say, get out of here. We can run Nilsson. If he's not feeling great, I think Hogwarts has shown what he take, or he has what it takes. And how many times in the start of the season does some goalie screw up a whole bunch and get waived? And that's, that's the way that I would go. Get the, uh, see, see what Mike Condon's are going to be thrown out to us, and then let's just not sign him for like five or six seasons, like whatever we did before, and I think we'll be okay. Yeah, well, I hope we don't go the Mike Condon route. Uh, personally, we saw him play in Belleville and didn't look too great. But was that his but one? Anyway, he won that game. Yeah, <laughs> it was a seven-six game, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. That Poor was dude. a wild one. Um, anyway, so like Matt, we gotta get your opinion on this upcoming draft. This is okay. the draft of the franchise. Where, if you could pick your preference on picks three and five, who are the Ottawa Senators selecting? Uh, Stutzel Raymond. Those are, yeah, I think, uh, now I also think there is no bad picks. Like it's so relieving going into this draft compared to years before where it's like, you can just kind of, you could go to like a carnival game and throw a dart at a balloon and just pick whatever name comes out and it's going to have a great impact. But watching Stutzel's highlight passes his play, he can slow down uh, opponents, he can speed up his own team, and it's just, that's what I feel like Ottawa is missing since we lost Mark Stone, is a very cerebral player, someone who is able to use what's around him and bring them up, and the idea of having someone like him on the same line as Kachuk, or even on, you use him to boost like a, a different line because Kachuk Chuck can do it all but I really see those two players just being able to if they can get in sync absolutely be nightmares because he has some guy Brady bashing through players and finding the puck on on the on the top of the crease every single time and then you have another player who can move the, the defense around and find these seams that don't look like they exist to someone like Wallen in on the point 
I, I just don't see how you can create a plan around those styles of players. But then again, you, you look at Byfield and you're like, this guy is everything we hope Logan Brown would turn into. And, the, and he's 18, 19. Uh, and, you can just plug him right there as a fast-moving, great hands, great centerman, and that shores up Ottawa in so many places. But I just, my heart is set on Stu. I, 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 I'm shooting for the moon, and if he can pan out into what I hope he does, it's like Kopitar plus plus. Yeah. So uh, by Cop- by Kopitar, you mean you would put him at center? I would do the same as, yeah, as well. You yeah. say it, on draft day, you're like, Yo, we're not moving you to the wing. He wants to be a centerman. Some scouts think he'd look better on the wing. I say Stutzla, from the highlights I saw as well, that vision. Uh, he's a number one center, but come on, you're going to break up Brady Kachuk and his best friend, Josh Norris? Come on. <laughs> you know what? If it works out together, absolutely. And this is, it's so weird as a Senators fan that we're looking at this because we're, we're looking at multiple options at center as potentially our top line center. And how many years did we have uh, Turris as yeah, you know what? He's a fine number one center, but he's definitely better as the second center. And then we all love Zabinijad right now, but we tried to make him the number one senator in, center in Ottawa, and we surrounded him with the wrong players. And uh, we were so quick to demote him. So, And that's on fans, too. Like, uh, I don't want to sound like I'm harping on things, but we were pretty harsh on Zibby for the first couple of seasons here. 100%. And I, Yeah, and that, it hurts me a bit. And, but... I'm glad to see he's succeeding. But Norris, Stutzel, Byfield, I don't know. We are getting lucky with friggin' all of our prospects right now, so maybe someone else will turn into another, uh, another stud center that we can look at. Any of them can jump into this number one center position, and that's what I want next season. Is I just want competition, and I want to see these young, these young players really push each other to grab that number one spot. But yeah, Brady's on that wing. He wants to play with Norris. Absolutely, go he can for do whatever it. he wants. Eh? Stutzel can be it can be one B and we'll be a okay. <laughs> yeah, and well, if Stutzel <laughs> ends up being LA's pick at two, and you get Byfield, you walk into a gold mine in that situation. Yeah. Then you're looking at six foot four Brady Kachuk, six foot four Quentin Byfield, <laughs> and then you throw six foot three Drake Batherson on the right side of that line, and you have a dominant cycle line going for the next what six seven years. Fantastic! I love it. But number Unreal. five. Number five is where I get torn. I, I, I want two forwards, but Drysdale. Drysdale is this weird kind of thing nagging at the back of my mind where I feel like if we leave him on board, he is going to go to some team at seven or eight, and it's going to be like a Kale McCarr situation or a Quinn Hughes situation where it's like this person ended up being the number one most valuable pick outside of number one or two. Man, I think, and, I think Pilsy actually, and I don't know if Pilsy wants to make an argument, but I think you're on Sanderson over Drysdale. Are you, Pilsy? Ooh, I'm, man, our interview with J.D. Burke, he really sold me on Sanderson. <laughs> and um, their, uh, like, write-up on him, their profile on their draft guide is insane. Like, they have him as one of the top three categories in Everything. all the defensive categories. Like, he wins a lot of their awards. But Look, I'm, I don't think I'm ready to say I would prefer Sanderson over Drysdale because that coveted right shot defenseman, like, the, the only way you get those guys is How many do you need, though? Three. We got gold medalist Artem Zub. We already said <laughs> this is a pro Artem Zub podcast. We've got Lassie coming up. we got JBD, and Zaitsev's not going anywhere whether you like it or not. Like, how many guys yeah. do you want on the right side? But trade fodder. That, yeah, that's exactly <laughs> it. Like, everyone wants these right-handed yeah. D. Like, you look at Toronto – 
this is why they're they're struggling yeah. so hard is they they have no depth in that uh, that position. So you know what? If we have to trade about they, defense. no depth, <laughs> their, their number one option was Cody Cece. <laughs> which as a Senators fan was delightful. That was the best part of the whole season. Oh, it, it was great. It really made it a lot easier. But it's so hard to look at, at our draft and know that there's so much offensive talent and, and see someone like Raymond sitting at five and not pick him because yeah. Raymond, Raymond reminds me of kind of his shot, everything like that is Hoffman-esque, that, that ability to just put a puck through four players and just rifle it in, that if, if we leave him on the board and we pick Drysdale and he pots 30 for, uh, for whoever's behind us on the draft. Yeah, it's I, Anaheim and New Jersey. I was going right to say, I, I couldn't remember if it was Jersey or Anaheim. Uh, that's going to be a real big bummer too. But my heart lies with Raymond. But I wouldn't be disappointed with the right-handed D, even though I know Sense Twitter will, uh, will probably start riding again, just like when we pick Kachuk over Zadina. Uh, that's the thing you can't have a hot take on on draft night but it was you and james mellish was the one who um who mentioned you just want all of them at this point yeah there's there's nothing wrong this is so nice like previous years it's like okay it really drops off at three it's like we've got 10 players that it's like yeah we're good we will have a player that will be able to walk on to the sends and be a a force in the next two years well only 23 days until that bountiful Day, it's getting closer, Bosty, and we're gonna have you on Twitter to follow along every step of the way, and we'll oh, get perfect. you back on to react after the send <laughs> a new prospect pool full of fun toys. Thanks for joining us today as a Send Central Citizen, Bosty. Hey, it was a blast. I don't know why you guys got me because I really am just someone who yells on Twitter, but anytime, any place, let me know. Do you want to say that louder just because, you know, you said that that's what makes uh, a good no. podcast? <laughs> no, no, no. I'll, uh, I'll defer it to the experts here. All right. Thanks again to Matt Bosty for joining us. Great follow on Twitter. It's at Matt Bosty. You can follow him there. Pilsy, before we get to our prospects, uh, where we're counting down from 79 through 76 today, I'll just tell you mine. We got yours off the top. I'm saying an ideal situation is Byfield and Raymond. Is that a hot take or what? That is that is a freezer take. That's as cold as it takes get because you know that's what I don't think I've seen almost. Well, Bossy actually he had a different uh, opinion there. He wanted Stussel over Byfield, but I think Raymond is everyone's guy at number five, and then at number three you can flip a coin between whether you want Stutzler or Byfield there. But I'm right with you, Byfield Raymond. Let's go. Okay, I'll give you a hot take as as a an aside, and it heating would heating the takes up. Let's go. Yeah, I'll heat them up. What about Raymond at three and Alexander Holtz at five, and just. Bring those. I want these Terror Twins to stay together. You know what? That's definitely a, a spicy hot take. And I, I'm not uh, too against taking Raymond at three. And I know that seems crazy because the Senators need, uh, obviously, that elite number one sentiment. But you got guys like Rossi and Perfetti available as well who are highly touted. I don't think it's the right way to go taking Raymond at three. But I don't want to see him get scooped up by another team and have him just be an absolute sniper. So I love the idea of Raymond. Now, putting them together, I think that's putting all your eggs in one basket, kind of. And I don't know if I love the idea of that, too, because Holt's also an amazing goal scorer. But on the left wing, if I don't know who's going to play center for those guys if you end up picking them three and five. That's Logan where I have Brown. an issue. <laughs> yeah, maybe Logan Brown. 
Yeah. Uh, one thing about Lucas Raymond, and, and we know he's lighting it up in preseason, but people who discredit him, just look at the biggest games he ever played in. U18, gold medal game. He had a hat trick, including the OT winner. He's a big game player. And as much as Sense fans have been kind of leaning towards Stutzla or Byfield in that situation, I mean, Byfield's a slam dunk, so that's not even an argument. So if we're comparing Stutzla and Raymond... Like, don't be so fast to discredit Lucas Raymond. This guy is going to be an absolute star, and it would suck if he was doing it with the Detroit Red Wings throughout his career. Um, what We are nowhere near the top of our draft rankings yet, Pilsy. We still have a long way to go, and we're going to be counting it down so it ends perfectly with a top five episode coming out the Saturday right before the draft. We've got all kinds of great coverage for you here on the Locked On Senators podcast leading up to the big day and without further ado let's get back to our send central draft board we're starting today with number 79 it's an average of our six scouts that we chose to take the their votes and average them out it's 70.33 on average it's michael benning who funny enough plays for the same junior a team in alberta as carter savoie who we discussed on yesterday's show yeah, definitely a nice little uh, connection there. And Ross, of the four guys we're going to talk about today, he's the lowest on the list at 79, but he's the guy I'm most excited about of this um, kind of group of four here. And this guy puts up points like it's his job. The kid, he just racks up points. He won the AJHL and CJHL Most Outstanding Defenseman Award. He had 75 points in 54 games. The next closest defenseman was 14 points behind him. Like, it's just incredible what he's been able to do. Mind you, you got to mention he's playing on a team with some really good talent like Savoy. And, but, you know, you still got to get him the puck to get that assist. And he does a really good job handling the puck. He's comfortable with the puck and he can, he can move it around and cycle it in a great power play situation. I see this guy as maybe not enough potential that he's going to be a number one power play unit defenseman, but he would be a great quarterback for a second power play unit. That's kind of the projection I see him as. And Ross, right shot defenseman. You got to love that. You do. It's a very valuable position. And in his last two seasons, 136 points in 114 games, and he's got 153 penalty minutes as well. So he's not afraid to mix it up a little bit physically. So I see him, yeah, as, as kind of a power play specialist when he does get to the National Hockey League. We mentioned his relationship with Carter Savoie. They're actually best friends as well. We know that's uh, nice. used well in the Sen sphere, but they're also both going to Denver next year. So he's going to have a couple seasons at Denver, which is a great program. Um, and we'll see where it goes from there. But Michael Benning, I like what you said. Yeah, if, if he's available with either of those third-round picks or maybe even a late second if the Sens like him, uh, he would not be a bad choice at all. So let's move up 78 on our rankings, an average of 70.25. Viti Mietnin, he's a diminutive forward as well. He's only five foot nine, but and he played junior A level in Finland. And his, he had 42 goals this past season, which is the highest ever in that league. Do you think that's going to translate? He's committed to St. Cloud State next season, so he'll be playing college hockey. I think it definitely has the potential to translate. Do I think he's going to step into college hockey and light it up like he did in, uh, in Finland? Probably not. But this guy's a pure goal scorer. And like uh, J.D. Burke talked about it in one of the aspects that he thinks fans undervalue when looking at scouts is having that 
high offensive hockey IQ is something you can't really teach. It's more like a, uh, like it's an, it's instinctual, you know, like when he gets the puck, he's so fast and he doesn't waste any time getting it up the ice and trying to create a scoring chance, like 42 goals in 52 games. Of course, that's what he does. Right. So this is a guy I think would be one of those patented home run swings for a team. You know he's got that pure, raw talent to score goals, but he's got a lot to work on uh, on the other facets of his game. So he's not going to jump in quickly. It's going to take a couple years, but if you have the time to develop him and get him in a good AHL system, I think this guy can be a real good talent for uh, NHL squad up the road. He's one of the oldest players in this draft. He'll turn 19 on September 20th. So before he'll be 19 at the time that the draft rolls around. I still see him as, yeah, about three or four years away from even getting a look in the National Hockey League, two or three years at school and another two or three years in the minors. So Viti Mietinen, he comes in at 78 on our top 93 rankings. And we're going to stay in Finland for 77. This guy averaged uh, 70 on all of our scouts' rankings. Emil Vero, and he is currently and still will be playing in Sweden or Finland, rather. Yeah, and this is a guy, uh, he's, I think, again, it's a project defenseman. He's not someone that's going to, you're looking to hop into your lineup anytime soon, or you're not really penciling him in as a roster spot this season or next season. It's going to take some time. And I think that's not a bad thing. Like defensemen need time to develop, especially if you're going to be playing in the NHL. It's very hard to quickly adjust to that. It's a lot of responsibility being on the back end. But he's he seems like a good all-around player. And friend of the show, Yoke, he, uh, his words on him are basically he has a good all-around game, but doesn't really shine in any area. Like there's not one particular spot of his game where you're going to highlight. It's just, he's kind of a complete package and you want to work on certain things to make him an exceptional player in certain areas. So for the sense, for me, this isn't really a guy that I'm that interested in, but uh, he's, he's got some potential. Yeah, and on our rankings, like Craig Button has him all the way up at 31st on his wow. rankings, whereas Pronman has him 113th, EP Guide at 82, uh, Cam Robinson at 66, and Bob McKenzie at 58. So a very wide discrepancy in what Pronman says, and he says that it's a high-end skater, like elite skating, great on his edges, he can spin off checks, and a lot of scouts see him as a no-doubt NHL player. Now, what his ceiling will be if it's bottom pair, it might be that. Because he forces a lot of turnovers with his skating, but he also turns the puck over a lot and makes some decisions that um, leave scouts wanting more or wanting more consistency. So that's something that I think the Sens are going to have to be very weary of. If he goes to the right situation, maybe five years down the line, he can be playing on your bottom pair. But... Not a whole lot of high upside, I believe, on this player. So he comes in at number 77 on the rankings. And now we go to the first local product. And if you just look at the surface, you might not think Dylan Peterson is an Ottawa guy. Well, especially because he plays internationally for the U.S. And he played, for crying out loud, for the U.S. national team development program for the past few seasons. But before that, after growing up in California for a lot of his life, when he turned 12, or he played under 14, so he had to be 13 years old with the Ottawa Junior 67s, and then played for the Eastern Ontario Wild, and then even got a few games with the Ottawa Junior Senators, the Junior A team uh, in, in the nation's capital. So 
What do you think about him? He's a six foot four centerman with lots of natural physical gifts, but do you think he'll be able to put it all together? From what I've read so much about uh, Dylan Peterson so far is there's nights where he can be very noticeable. Like you said, big guy, six foot four centerman, and he can throw his weight around. And you're like, oh my God, who is that guy that just laid out that uh, guy in the corner there on the boards? And it's Dylan Peterson. But then on another night, you're not even sure if he's playing. And that's a tough thing for a power forward. If you're a power forward where a lot of your game is being physical, you need to be doing that on a consistent basis to keep your spot in the lineup, right? Like that's how these guys get paid. And if that's what he projects to be a power forward like that, he's going to have to step that up. But I think a lot of these prospects and I've mentioned it with Logan Brown before, they don't really understand how to use their size to their advantage quite yet. And maybe they're a little hesitant to fully go for it. But I think once you get better in touch with your size and how you can use that to separate guys from the puck and et cetera. It's going to really benefit a guy like Dylan Peterson. For me, I feel like we've already got guys similar to him, like I just said, Logan Brown. So I don't really see him as fitting into the Sens plan very nicely here, but definitely an interesting guy to look out for, especially the team loves their local talent. They sure do. And Bob McKenzie seemed to like him a lot. He had him ranked highest at 47th whereas the average was a lot lower. The average was 69.75 among our six scouting tools that we, we've we been using. Uh, Corey Pronman mentioning that he's not a true offensive driver, although he does show some flashes of high-end hands. Um, it's just such a, an intriguing toolkit, being 6'4", and being such a late birthday. He's, he's born in 2002, um, whereas you might not be wowed by him all the time, but if he's in the right situation and this is going to be a theme, I guess, until we get up through the top 50, these guys are going to have to be in right spots. And in that case, like, yeah, he might play in a bottom six role and you might be able to put him on your second power play unit as a net front guy, but it's not going to be for at least four, maybe five years. The good news though, in his development is he's already committed to the Boston university and they have a long history of creating talent and speaking of talented power forwards from Boston University there's one on the top line in Ottawa and Brady Kachuk so there is a little bit of uh of good news there although it is a different head coach because Brady's head coach at BU is now in uh the Rangers as their head coach uh in Dan Quinn but lots of uh of intriguing names at this part of our draft rankings it's only going to get more and more as we get closer to draft day for Brandon Pillar we'll be back on Monday for an interview with a Silver 7 Sens ready. He had an interesting article on the top four of the Ottawa Senators. And when's the last time they actually had a really good one? We'll check in with Ari on Monday and get into a whole lot more from Sensland. I'm Ross Levitan. This has been the Locked On Senators podcast. Your team every day.